you woke up this morning, it's a good day. If you woke up healthy, it's a good day. If you woke up refreshed, then it's a good day. So get up, get out, get on your way. If you woke up broke, it's still a good day. And if you woke up diseased, it's still a good day. And if you woke up exhausted, it's still a good day. Because you woke up, so get on your way. Welcome to Travel by Proxy, the show where we leave our house so you don't have to. I'm Andrea. And I'm Aaron. In each episode, we feature a destination anywhere from right in our neighborhood to far off lands. We bring you our experience, some history, and a taste of each destination by sampling something unique to it. So whether you're listening to this in your car, on a train, on a plane, or in Spain, you'll learn about something to add to your bucket list. Or to remove from it. In this week's episode, we explore the Saturday market in Portland, Oregon, taste some local heat, then wash it down with some cold rogue beer while we learn about the history of the Saturday market. So sit back and take a journey with us as we talk about the world outside your window. And speaking of that world outside your window, my favorite transition, Aaron. I'm going to say that in every damn episode. Every single one. It's going to be your, your new thing. I guess it is. We're going to get that printed on t-shirts eventually. Um, <laughs> today in my favorite transition. Today in my favorite transition. So Portland, Oregon uh, stole Keep Portland Weird. Mm-hmm. It, it actually stole Keep Portland Weird uh, from Austin, Texas. Oh, because it was Keep Austin yeah, Weird. Yeah, it was Keep mm-hmm. Austin Weird, but Austin actually also had Keep Portland Weird, and, you know, <laughs> then Portland stole it. Absolutely. No. Um, uh, no, so I think the thing about Portland, Oregon, that is different from Austin, Texas, is that it is a lot more focused on making things. So more kind of making things with your hand and kind of taking... Uh, taking pride in, in what you are doing yeah like make it being a maker space like oh, okay like austin texas is a creator space like austin is very focused there's a great film industry in austin and they've got well, a great music scene too. yeah there's i mean there's a great season scene in portland too mm-hmm. but like actually one of my all-time favorite bands is from portland which band is that uh the dandy warhols i love that band i have not thought about them in a while so thank you for reminding me of them yeah they uh they have a great album coming out, uh, which I realized by saying that is going to date this episode because we're going to release it after the album comes out. Hey, you know what? At some point before each album drops, it is before. It's just where we happen to be. That's okay. And hey, maybe some people did not know that that album will be now is possibly already released by the time this episode did we just, comes out. Did we just drop into Hitchhiker's Guide Future Speak? Possibly. I think so. Um, anyway, um, Portland, Oregon is a sort of a makerspace. Like the the culture in Portland is founded around making things. I think it's why Portland, Oregon has so many breweries, distilleries, uh just a culture surrounding art mm-hmm. and history and and just I've I, I unfortunately personally haven't ever been, but every person that I know that has been to Portland has either moved there immediately after or literally comes back talking about when I go next time and then they go at least uh, you know at the most like a year later I've been twice yeah it's it's one of those places that everyone that I've interacted with from Portland who's been there they there no one has bad things to say about Portland which is amazing yeah I've actually uh the first time I went um 
we drove through it on a road trip uh, where we where my college friends and I drove from uh, Minneapolis mm-hmm. to Seattle, all the way down to San Francisco, and then back to Minneapolis. That is that is a drive. It really was. It was intense and amazing, and I will never ever do anything like that again. I have, um, you know, actually now that I think of it, I I have spent six hours in Portland, Oregon. I was there in a hotel sleeping. Uh, after a trip where I had to drive from Atlanta, Georgia to Corvallis, Oregon, and then I, I drove up to Portland so I could catch a flight back to Atlanta the day after I finished my trip. Anyway, basically, all this talk about making things is a roundabout way of getting to the Portland Saturday Market. And the the thing about the Portland Saturday Market is it's also open on Sundays. That's amazing. It's not just on Saturdays. It's not just Saturdays. Um, And the Portland Saturday Market was founded by two women, Sherry Teasdale and Andrea Scharf, in December of 1973. Oh, uh, that is a good long-running item for uh, the last, like, what, 40-ish years almost? Yeah. 38? Exactly, yeah. And when you... When you first go to it, it's almost overwhelming. You know, if you've ever been to like a farmer's market or like an outdoor art festival, uh, for those of our listeners that are in uh, the Minnesota area, like going to the Uptown Art Fair mm-hmm. or Art World or those sort of festivals are mm-hmm. fairly close, but they do not compare in size. It's sort of like uh, the state fair, but more hippies. Gotcha. And it's, is it mostly outdoors? It, it's all almost entirely outdoors. Okay. And it's also like, it, it's urban. So it's not like, it, it's not just this, it's not like, you know, like a bunch of booths. Like mm-hmm. it, it sort of sprawls throughout this um, urban marketplace. So now, do they shut down streets for that? Or is it all kind of sidewalk based? Um, It sort of takes place on streets and sidewalks. Okay, so like there's some kind of areas that will, and this is an every week thing, is that correct? Yeah, actually, it runs from uh, March through December. Oh, that's a long running. Yeah. So it's really just January and February they take off. Yeah, they see like um, billion, like I think almost a billion people, or maybe it's a million. It's definitely hundreds of millions of people. Over a million point. people Over that million visit people. it annually. Well, then I was I was well off with the hundreds <laughs> You of were. You were. Uh-huh. That's okay. Well, okay. We'll just say that over the lifespan of it. Oh, that makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but no, it's, I mean, uh, and it's, it's a massive kind of several blocks, all just intertwined, constant place with different people who make art and yeah, woodworking and, and, and there stuff are like that. there are fixtures okay there so like um it's an organized thing the portland saturday market is an actual like the as an organization it's a non-profit but so they just they take care of logistics getting everything kind of set up and then mm-hmm. the the booth owners as they were or the the pur- purveyors of goods exactly but it's a, it's a mutually beneficial non-profit which means that the people that are in it are able to operate and keep the profits they make, but the actual operation of the like organization itself mm-hmm. can't collect a profit. Got it. So they just kind of facilitate all of the kind of city permits and ordinance mm-hmm. issues so that the rest of the uh, market purveyors can just exist and, and sell their wares. Yeah, exactly. And uh, speaking of uh, selling their wares... 
one of the wares there is a little uh, stand for Rogue Brewing. Um, it's uh, Rogue is one of the older craft breweries in Oregon. Oh, that sounds wonderful. We get to experience me experiencing beer again, everybody. We do. And the beer that we have this time is something that I picked up as a limited release beer. It is Hazelutely Chocolate Tabulous Candy Bar in a Bottle. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Is that, it what? Uh, what type of beer is this? Uh, sixty percent hazelnut brown nectar ale brewed with natural flavor, and forty percent chocolate stout brewed with chocolate. Oh, it's an ale stout. Okay. It's an ale stout. I've, I've, you know, for for those of you who have heard the uh, earlier episodes, uh, where pause a quick moment. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, that was a good one. That sounded wonderful. Uh, for those of you who have listened to the earlier episodes and know that I am not much of a beer drinker, and uh, Andrea is very much of a beer drinker, let's go ahead and get the foley on that first. That sounded great as well. So, it is uh, Andrea's goal in life to make me drink as much beer as humanly possible. Well, let's see the mug now. You can keep talking okay. over this. So... As she pours this gigantic mug. So you, again, for the back end of this, uh, Andrea is constantly trying to get me to drink as much beer as humanly possible to finally find that one that I will be able to drink with her. Um, so she has poured me a lowball glass with uh, with a nice small amount for just me to taste. And because uh, Aaron is a fan of liquor, I served it in a Glenmorangi uh, scotch tasting glass. Oh, it's perfect. Thank you so in much. The, in the hopes that uh, he would actually appreciate it better. Um, no, so as I was saying, um, Rogue Brewery is one of the older breweries in Portland, Oregon, as a craft brewery. And um, kind of as a funny story, I, it isn't actually based out of Portland. It's based out of Ashland, Oregon. Um, and it started in somebody's basement in 1988. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so it's younger than both of us. It is younger than both of us, but it is older than a lot of the craft breweries and distilleries that we have talked about so far. That is completely true. Um, now, I'll get into a little bit of the history about it later, but let's kind of just talk about the tasty, tasting period first. Let's mm -hmm. go with the nose like we did before. You know, I get the hazelnut and I get the chocolate. It um, that That smells heavenly. It really does, yeah. Like, this actually really smells delicious. Like it, it does smell like a candy bar in a bottle. Or, well, in a glass at this point, but um, that tagline is a hundred percent perfect. Oh wow, that is uh, that is divinely dessert beer right there. I would put a chocolate, like a, a crushed up graham cracker. Um, rim around this glass, or um, I don't I would, know. I would do crushed, uh, crushed graham crackers and Oreos. Yeah, that'd be and good. just roll that together. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, to be fair, so I just uh, took a big swallow of this, and it took a long time for like the beer flavor mm -hmm. uh, to really hit my palate, and it was really on the back of the tongue. The front of the tongue was like a hundred percent just hazelnut and chocolate. Yeah, there's a real cocoa nib flavor to it. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, this is uh, of all of the beers. I have tasted, and all of those that you have given me, uh, this so far is my favorite. And just a little bit more. I'm not going to drink very much. That's good. Perfect. I probably actually will finish this glass. So, congrats. 
it, it's it's a limited release, which is almost the saddest part because it's, <laughs> it's, it's and it's not something that we can just go to like. I mean, we can try and find Rogue at uh, at Total Wine, but I don't think we'll be able to find this particular uh, run at uh, like our local liquor store. I mean, I got this at Total Wine. Did and, you? Well, and, I mean, Rogue is actually um, of the reason that I picked Rogue over some of the other breweries I could have picked in Oregon. Well, two reasons. One is because Rogue actually does have a presence in um at the portland saturday market Mm -hmm. but also i picked it because uh it is one of the more accessible beers they distribute a lot further than some of the other beers that we're going to talk about on our podcast Mm -hmm. and so the hope is that some of our listeners could actually get out and try this one yeah it's i mean again for those of you that may not find beer generally palatable I, I would actually say if you have uh, a spouse, a roommate, somebody that you can kind of share this with just in case it is not entirely your bag, uh, I, I still say try and pick this up. Mm-hmm. Um, you, do you, you, can you read the uh, the name of that again just so we all have that fresh in you our know, minds? No, actually, I would love it if you would read it. Certainly. It is the Rogue Hazelutely Chalktabulous Candy Bar in a Bottle. It it I cannot tell you enough how much i actually really enjoy this and it's really really weird for me because it's still like i've been drinking more of it and it's still if i if i let it roll uh, in in my mouth i really start to get that bitter kind of like odd ale taste in the back of my mouth but if i just drink it like Mm -hmm. any other liquid um as i would normally just drink something for lack of a better way to say that, uh, but it it doesn't have that crazy aftertaste, and it's a lot more palatable. Mm-hmm. And so, kudos to you, Andy. You finally have found something that uh, I will probably finish. That's awesome. Uh, I should get you to try. Uh, I'm going to have you try Modest uh, sometime later because they make a first call that is absolutely delicious and tastes like coffee. That's wonderful. Because see, the last time I had a coffee, or I had a, a chocolate stout. Um, it was it was much more stout than chocolate Mm -hmm. and it was almost like kind of bitter baking chocolate on just Mm -hmm. the back end with the rest of the like heavy stout kind of like i mean stouts are creamy but it was also just very very heavy in the beer taste for me and i just i i took two sips and i was done with it well and that's the the thing that you're picking out there when you're calling it stout is the chocolate malt versus uh like a cocoa nib flavor which Mm -hmm. you get with this one yeah so when you get a chocolate stout a lot of times you'll get more of that chocolate malt flavor so it'll have that kind of like um it'll have a sweetness to it but um it's more of that cocoa-y sweetness Mm -hmm. like the raw cocoa powder yeah rather than a like milk chocolate or mm -hmm. uh, or just a chocolate you would eat regularly yeah exactly uh great so um as we kind of sip and and delight in this let me tell you a little bit more about rogue and the reason that i the other reason that i chose them Uh, and then we'll circle back to the portland saturday market oh absolutely i want to learn more about this so again they were founded in 1988 but the brewery wasn't founded until 1989 and it was in the middle of an unusual snowstorm in newport oregon Jack, the founder, mm-hmm. well, one of the founders of Rogue, found himself meeting Mojava Nimi, aka Mo, the founder of Mo's Restaurants, oh. who extended her signature hospitality and fe- fed him some of her famous clam chowder. 
Oh, that sounds delicious. Over a bowl, she told him she'd always dreamed of living above a bar and described a perfect spot for the next rogue brew pub. Mo had a large building with three apartments, upstairs, a sweater shop, an art gallery, 1,100 square feet of empty storefront, and an 800 square foot garage. Mo offered Jack offered to rent Jack the vacant storefront and the garage under two conditions. One, Rogue promises to feed the fishermen. Mo's way of saying, get back to the community. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, like the the vast majority of Newport's residents are fishermen who uh, work on the waterfront, a huge Mm -hmm. part of Newport, Oregon's community. Two, a photo of Mo in a bathtub forever hangs over the bar. <laughs> it's still there today, and a copy of the photo hangs in every rogue meeting hall. Oh, that's amazing. She's naked in that photo, by the way. Is it, like, visibly naked, or is it just that she's in a bathtub and there's bubbles? I don't know. Um, let's, uh, why don't, why don't you find out? Why don't you go ahead and I'm gonna, Google it? I'm going to Google this. If yeah. you want to keep talking about the uh, yeah. Portland Saturday market, so, I will confirm. So, while you're talking about that, I'm going to circle back. So, um, as we kind of venture away from Rogue Beer and we get back into the Portland Saturday market, you wander around these stalls that have been set up and you kind of go up and down, you know, the various easy ups or like little folding tents that have been set up and you see sort of more permanent storefronts that have been set up for people to sell their wares out of. And you see food trucks that have been sent up, set up a staple of sort of Portland culture. And that is one of my favorite parts about visiting Portland is their food culture. I mean, we're we're both really into food, so anytime that there's a place that really really does food well, we're always happy. You you found the picture, didn't you? I did find the picture. Uh, there are no bubbles. Um, yeah, she, it is. Uh, she's like leaning forward, so uh, all pieces that would be considered, you know, less publicly available uh, have been covered. But she's nude in a bathtub, just leaning forward with mm-hmm. her knees covering her breasts. And it's that's a hilarious photo to just have up because it's right next to their uh, like their selection of beer and, uh, mm-hmm. and any other you know items they have on their menu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I, I it's hard to get over that particular image. Yeah, and the best part is, is uh, Rogue actually has like meeting halls all around the country, and they hang that picture in the meeting halls too. I it, I love that it's it's uh, it's either for uh, just kind of continuing the the hilarity of of keeping Rogue weird with Portland, or it's uh, I, I have a I have a hilarious thought that it would be literally in a contract that it's like anytime you open a place that you have people in, this photo has to be there, and I would love that that was like stipulated in a contract. Yeah, I mean, I I would love to talk to some of my colleagues to figure out if if that is something you could write legally write in if that is enforceable in an actual contract that would be kind of an interesting thing to find out i you know um from having dealt with contracts uh quite a bit in my previous uh career in in the security field um there's a lot of things you can put in contracts that are are binding once signed as sure. a legal document. So I can I can see that as an actual option huh. that you know if your company you know, it's like for whatever reason, it, I can see that that's a legally binding item. Wow. So, food trucks and food carts. They're amazing. 
Yeah, and the best part about these is they're just sort of left there. Oh, like, really? Um, well, so on like one row, there are all these the carts that are kind of set up, and they're actually operated as sort of restaurants that are just kind of there on the street. Oh, okay. Is and, they it, have, and it's still just a truck that just doesn't really leave? Well, most of them at this point are just sort of like shacks. Oh, okay. Um, some of them are still truck-like, but is a it, lot of them... Is it kind of like halfway between a food truck and Mickey's Diner? No, uh-uh. Most okay. of them actually, uh, I guess a good comparison would be like an ice fishing shed. Oh, okay. That helps me make sense. For yeah. those of you who've never uh-huh. experienced ice fishing, you need to experience that. And we might have to talk about that at some point in the future. <laughs> Travel by proxy goes ice fishing, <laughs> which really is just going to be Aaron and I getting drunk in a little tiny shed over a hole carved in the ice while we don't fall in. If we, uh, if, if we, if we go ice fishing with my uncle, he's got a, like a really nice big ice, fi- ice fishing shack that has like pull down bunk beds and uh, satellite television. So camping. Yeah, it's camping, but you're on the ice and there are holes in the floor where you can uh, get fish from. It's a wonderful thing. It's heated. There's a television. That's, uh, that sounds really fun, Aaron. It's like the most glamorous ice fishing you'll ever experience. (laughs) Uh, so anyway, uh, so the food trucks are all, there are food trucks, food carts all set up. Um, and there's, there, there's just this real, awesome sense of community because everybody here is well organized they're all people that are approved vendors like um and because it's set up by this nonprofit, you know you're buying from someone that has a track record and is supposed to be there and they so they had like a vetting process maybe from behind yeah the scenes? there okay. are official vendors that are supposed to be there which is actually kind of an interesting story but also not really an interesting story because apparently around one of the fountains some unofficial vendors will set up from time to time oh selling like pipes or like cds or music or comic books Mm -hmm. and apparently one of those people went on to murder some people yeah it it can happen yeah it shouldn't but it can yeah and it's and that was this year that was this year, or not well, this year? It sorry. was 2018. Yeah, 2018. I forgot we're in 2019 now. We're gonna be we're gonna be doing that uh, this year was 2018 for months. So yeah. just buckle in and accept it. Anyway, in the history of the market, it was born in December of 1973, and in the first year of it, it actually wasn't in the space that it's in today. Okay. Um, it was under the it was kind of in this old town area. Um, before moving to this place under the Burnside Bridge. And um, the kind of the first year, it was just sort of this like kind of loose place where people just showed up and sold stuff. So it was before it was organized as like a big official thing. And it was just kind of like, we've got some permits, we've got permission, Uh whatever, let's go do this. But as as it started getting more and more popular, uh, people started showing up earlier and earlier to get the good spots. Which would make sense, because you, you, you yeah. have that competition. You want to make sure you're on the right uh-huh. area where you get the most traffic. Yeah. So um, the reason that, like, the nonprofit and, like, the group founded was, was, I mean, was because, like, you know, they wanted to actually organize things. But I think it was more just because they needed to have some rules. Rules are one of those things that uh, it seems like when coming up with a new concept, we don't need rules. And then slowly you realize you need some rules you don't need to be 
overly rule heavy, but you do need to have at least guidelines. Generally, you do need some hard and fast rules to keep bad things from happening all the time. Yeah. So, um, you know, after kind of, you know, setting up in like this parking lot with like the blue butterfly, it eventually moved to the, it eventually kind of expanded outward and got bigger and bigger and bigger until it moved out of this Burnside Bridge location in 2009 to the place where it is today. So really what it comes down to, um, when it, with, with the Portland Saturday market, uh, it people like they say that the average person spends like a half hour there and there's so much more to do there. You mm. can you can try weird apothecary things. You can listen to bands. You can get uh, your entire meal there. Like you can go get breakfast, then go uh, grab like a coffee, listen to a musician play, maybe uh, go you know take the the train down to Powell City of Books, explore that for a while, buy a book, come back grab some ice cream, just hang out, listen to a little bit more, and then just come sort of circling back because it really is an experience and it's it's an experience worth seeking out. Well, and it seems, you know, it's one of those things that's running for so much of the year that it, it doesn't do it justice to just go for half hour on one day and be like, I did that. It's not, you don't go to Disney World and go like, okay, we saw Epcot, time to leave. Yeah, and this is Disney World for artist hippies. Even better. Well, and I shouldn't say Disney World for artist hippies because that simplifies it. it well, yeah, because there's there's all types of vendors there yeah, it's it is you it. got you've got the breweries you've got the food trucks you've got the the tr- more traditional artists you have do they have woodworking you, and everything yeah, you've kinda, got a hot sauce guy that'll do yeah, hot sauce shots with you you've got the hot sauce guy we did talk about that in the last episode yeah you missed that go back to our pizza episode exactly so anyway Get out there, see the Portland Saturday market. I know we normally talk about like a specific thing, a specific place, mm-hmm. but this is one of those times where it's not worth it to just single out a specific place because there's so much to do there. Mm-hmm. Just keep going back and and check it out. Absolutely. Well, with that, we are out of time today, but that does not mean the show has to end. You can contact us by leaving a comment at travelbyproxy.com or by emailing fans at travelbyproxy.com. The Travel by Proxy theme is Good Day by Alex, copyright 2012. Our closing music is Now We're Talking by Jarris, copyright 2015. Both are licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license and can be found at dig.ccmixter.org. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it and we wish you a look out your window. Walking with you and your moving peace stones and your rearranging all the pieces that you find. Now we're talking about things and places, all the names and the faces, all the people that you love.